Lee Whitehorn, 44 years of age, father of two, married to Laura, siblings, Luke, Jay, Rachel and Jane. Uh, one father, two mums. That's me in a nutshell, footy coach. I, I look at myself as just the average, everyday, run-of-the-mill bloke. Why am I here today? Um, to talk about my diagnosis um, that I received, oh, not great with dates, but I'm going to say about six weeks ago. Um, and I was diagnosed uh, initially with a lesion, which I think is a nice word initially for a tumour or cancer. And I was diagnosed with a diffused glioblastema. Welcome to episode seven of The C Word. I'm Luke. I'm here with my brother, Lee. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Really good. Excellent. And we also have today a wonderful special guest with us, Jess from Body Smart. I'm good. How are you? Guys? Awesome. Apologies for last week's episode that didn't come out. It was meant to be this exact episode, but uh, it seemed that after we had a wonderful conversation, the machine decided to break on us. So we didn't, uh, we weren't able to, to go live with that one. So here we are doing round two. But first, before we jump into anything, uh, I guess check in with you. Mate, it's yeah. been a week since now that we've had the extra week. You finished yeah. up mid last week, wasn't it? For your first mm-hmm. batch of treatment. Yes. How are you feeling? Uh, good. Just waiting for the little bit of hair on the side of my head to actually start growing through. No, I think it's your new style, mate. Otherwise, I'm just going to continue to look like a marine yeah um which i actually went to the super butchers the other day and the lady at the counter said to me are you in the army or the navy (laughs) (laughs) and i was was thinking i probably don't meet whatever height requirements there are but um i said no 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 just a just a new haircut and she goes oh just the same sort of haircut that my um partner's got and uh he's in the marines and i was like Okay, okay, that's great. Thank you. I'll just grab that just kilo of chops if I could. Things. Just here to buy my lamb lollipops. Thank yeah. you. Do you know what? There's part when you really want to end a conversation quickly with people, and I've had a couple of those um, where people have asked about that, and, you, and, and your response is, oh, it's from radiotherapy, and um, yeah, that's why. So, And it ends pretty quickly, and it's the same when oh, I shame. enter the hospital. <laughs> yeah, but something, you know, when you're, like, you're looking yeah, you've for got a quick out in a conversation, yeah. you're yeah. like, what do I say here? I can't just say I've got another meeting or I've got this. But if you say something around cancer, people just like tuck their head between their legs and run the other way. So um, it's an easy get out of jail card. And it's the same when you're uh, at the moment with all the COVID restrictions, when you're entering hospital, there's um, all these really important people standing there, Uh, you know, 14 hand sanitizers, um, two people to check that you've um, checked in. Not that they actually check. They just ask you. Yeah. Have you checked in? Yeah, I have. Okay. Whether I have or I haven't. <laughs> yep, no worries. Yep. Um, and then there's someone that will, you've, you can only be in there if you've actually got an appointment. There's no visitors. And so every time they ask, do you have an appointment, sir? And the people that know what they're doing know that the little yellow card I have means that I'm going to radiotherapy. So they just straight away say, yep, he's got an appointment, he's fine. But then every now and then you get some... Oh, security guy that wants to be a cop, you know, and yeah. save the world, oh, but he's shame. just a security he didn't guy. Quite get through it, yeah. And that, you know, do you, do you have an appointment here, Sarah? And I'm like, yeah, I do radiotherapy. I've got brain cancer. 
and they just shrivel back and oh, walk away. Shame. And you walk off oh. and you kind of just think, okay, yeah. right, just stay in your box, champ. Okay? Yeah. No need to step up with the chest out. Yeah, ask. mic drop, see you later. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of that moment. And then I feel bad about 50 metres away, um, yeah. uh, walking away and you go, oh, I've probably just really put a downer on that guy. So I make a point of when I leave that I make eye contact with the couple of times that it's happened, that, that individual and just... See you later. Have a great day. Yeah, right. You uh, look at him, make eye contact. You point at your head and you're like, see? That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll give him sick. a steely look. It's sick. Yeah. <laughs> How are you feeling after? Where are we at now? It's like a week and a half almost, or a week and a couple of days of week since and, you... Yeah, a week and two days. Yeah, since uh, you finished. How are you feeling? I feel really good. Okay. I don't know how I'm meant to feel. It's funny, everyone asks you that question. How do you feel? And I'm like, oh, I feel the same. Okay, well, in comparison to how you were during treatment to where you are now, how do you feel? Um... Good. You definitely have a couple of days where your body is detoxing um, and not, you know, detoxing with a lemon juice diet or something, like actually toxins coming yeah. out of your body from your medication. Um, you actually, there's a couple of days in there where you can genuinely feel like a big shift in stuff that's exiting your your body. So you has a little bit of... Are we uh, talking quite literally here? <laughs> so, or you're like... Uh, no, you just... There's moments where you feel... Like a little bit nauseous, like a, just a tiny bit, and you're oh, like, right. "Oh, geez!" And you have some, you know, another drink of water and whatever, and then, you know, ten minutes later, you're like, "Okay, off you run to the toilet, whatever it might be." Yeah, so your body's quite literally detoxed. It literally, yeah. For me, that's how it felt. Anyway, I could literally feel it almost. The moments that I don't know, there's bundles of the bad stuff coming out, and you mm. can feel it, um, and then. I reckon I got to about Monday, um, so I finished treatment on the Wednesday before, and I reckon I got to about the Monday, and I started to feel, I was like, I feel much lighter, I feel good. So you've had six weeks of radiotherapy and chemotherapy, that is now finished, we have a month off? Yes. Okay, and then during this time, you're still taking what? I just anti-seizure medication. Okay, and then after a month, what happens? I'll go back on to chemotherapy for the first five days of each month for six months. By tablet still? Uh, by tablet, yeah, and probably an increased dosage yep. usually. Yep. Um, and then they'll just measure, to the best of my, my knowledge, they measure uh, what they give you um, based on your blood results. So whether or not you are out, up, down, whatever, yep. reduce it. But if they can give you a strong dose <clears throat> and your body can absorb it, mm. Uh, and manage it, um, then obviously you're getting better bang for buck, I suppose. Like it's so whether or not you can handle the chemotherapy, but so for radiotherapy though, mm-hmm. we've we've done our dose now. We're we're like that's it forever, right? Yes. You can't you can't take any more radiotherapy. No, there's uh, an amount that your body can take over a lifetime. Yep. And uh, it's measured. Are they? It's measured in grey, they call it. Like grey is, a, I think it's a unit. However, as people do, lots of people around, um, Google out there. So are there instances, you know, um, who are the super survivors of cancer and how did they do it? And and I haven't deliberately, don't, I don't Google because I don't want to like, necessarily, don't really need to know. Yeah. It doesn't affect that someone else's story. I'm 
doing mine the way that I want to do it. And Google usually leads to WebMD where everything is death, yes. even so, a cough ends up being death on WebMD. But my wife found um, through a group that she's, there's a, lots of Facebook uh, groups for, I guess, for partners and so forth that are going through um, this type of thing and, and how they just speak with each other and connect about, you know, so what's happening and how are you getting through this and so forth and so forth. And a lady... Um, posted last week and said that her husband has actually had um, two maximum dose treatments of radiotherapy over time because his body, I don't know the exact, but because his body responded so well and was able to deal with it and then there was an extended period of time between when he had that maximum exposure, Mm. the, the doctors were then happy to revisit. Not that I ever want to do that. Um, but that was interesting to oh, hear yeah. that. So there's lots of, as much as you, you would assume, um, and again, Jess will probably know more in this space than me, you assume that um, treating cancer is like an exact science, that it's just a, but it seems to be, this just, uh, it's, I don't know, like selling cars or houses, people do it like a hundred different ways. There's just so many different ways and mm. um, and expectations and limits and what's acceptable and what's not acceptable and so forth. So um mm. Yeah, that's been uh, that's been interesting over the last couple of weeks. But yeah, through the radiotherapy. So okay. awesome. And then we find out when do we go for the next eighteenth of August. I have my next 18th. MRI, and then Excellent. I have a meeting um, the day after. So I'd imagine I'll get my results then. Okay. Um, and I'm not really setting any expectations from there. It'll be more just to sit down, listen, see, understand what the effect is so far, based on how I feel. Mm. I feel like it's done the job that it needs to do so far because I feel clear in my head and I'm... Um... Yeah, you've been super lucky. I don't know if we spoke about this that last time, but it was in you know in terms of I remember when we first kicked this off and then we were really panicked. Not panicked, but it's that uncertainty, right? They tell you, look, towards the end of your treatment, you, you, you know, speech might start to change, you know, that your response time, whatever, but you kind of... You haven't had any of that, you know, really. Yeah. I mean, you... You've mentioned before that you felt a little bit at times that you, you've kind of... You I've know. had to work harder yeah. at certain times earlier on, definitely. Like I've had to have um, a much stronger focus on, okay, what am I doing and how am I doing it and what am I saying? Um, but that's not uncommon for me because I've never been a really... I'm not structured in that in that way. I'm never too focused. I'm just... <laughs> I arrive at a place and... <laughs> Look, I don't want to say anything. I arrive, I arrive at a place and uh, whether that's work or football and so forth, and I've obviously always got a, some sort of plan, but I'm always prepared to, well, it's going to change, so mm. um, I need to be flexible in that space. So I'm, I'm structured but unstructured at the same time, so I, yeah, I haven't really been too focused on... On that. on that side of things, I suppose. Now, what you were focused on, and I think it's very mm. important, is uh, your night out the other night, a week mm. after treatment. Yes. I mean, I think we could almost do an entire episode based on the amount of times oh, we spoke no, about no, this throughout can. this series. <laughs> no, I don't mean on your actual performance. I'm I mean, married, oh, my, no. marriage, my marriage would be over. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, how we're not going to go into debt. How was your evening the other night? Was uh, did you did you did you have a nice night? Uh, you went to the W in Brisbane. Yes. Spent the evening. Yes, it was delightful. Wonderful. It was delightful. I went and had lunch with my mum first. Yep. Um, 
which worked well because I got a got a free ride into the hotel. Uh, then went and That's checked in. Um, we had a really nice lunch on the river at um, South Bank, and uh, and then she dropped me off and checked in and went up to the room and it's a pretty funky hotel and it's pretty cool and Laura worked for the day and then um, she arrived about two hours later and at that stage I was like oh, geez, I'm, I might need a coffee because I laid down on the bed and I had the blinds <laughs> open and I'm like I could just go for a nod right now and this oh, is magnificent but I, Beautiful. I did walk in the room and there was a bottle of Verve on ice, funnily enough, from yourself and Borhan that had been delivered to the room and um, both knowing that I'm not really a champagne yeah. drinker, nor do I really want to consume <laughs> alcohol, but I did have a glass and yeah. I enjoyed it. It was very nice. Yeah. Um, and Laura had the remainder and, yeah, and then... It was, it was just to set the tone, Romeo. That's all it was. It was yeah. just, you know, we wanted to make sure. Yeah. She she might have been a bit nervous. You know, it's been a lot going on. So It's kind of like a first date. <laughs> yeah, 100%. It was, almost, it was really nice, though. It was yeah. just, without getting into, you know, it was just nice. It was nice to be able to spend time together without any other influence. As much as we love our children more than anything in the world, it was just great to have a night of peace and quiet um, and just actually share a bed it's just the two of us. Beautiful. It's really, really nice. Went out to tea, did our usual, probably ate too much, felt really full. Came back to bed, the bedroom and... Um, fell asleep. For, yeah, pretty much, like, honestly. <laughs> like we did, Beautiful. we thought we'll sit there and we'll... Do we order something else? Do we get some dessert to live it up? Do we do... We do a fancy? Do we get another... Um, and we both looked at each other and went, let's just enjoy the peace and quiet. Do you... I said to Laura, do you feel like going to sleep? And she goes, yeah, I do. I said, good, I'm the same. <laughs> <laughs> so amazing. had a really good night's sleep and, awesome. and a really lovely morning. And um, yeah, it was good. We really good. loved it. Fantastic. And, uh, and the all important, how was the first kiss with your little boys when you can finally give them a little kiss? Baby Jack, uh, his was uh, just the standard Slobber. full open mouth um, <laughs> Uh, Pash I love, and I love our kids so much. And normally you kind of you know you go oh it's my kids dribble just you know over your face, but I think because I haven't been able to give him a kiss for such a long time, I was like I didn't care. It was just really really nice. Max, um, for the first time, I said oh can Dad have a kiss? And his answer immediately was uh, no, Daddy, not yet. Uh, oh, oh, okay, righty over. Then he Mate, came. Don't back. be walking in here thinking you just run the place. Yeah, and he came running back later, and he's like, "Oh, daddy, can I have a kiss now?" And I'm like, absolutely. So it was really, really nice. It was yeah. good. Now today's episode, mm-hmm. as I said, we've got Jess here. Jess, for those who are listening along, is the uh, has been your exercise physiologist. Is that the right Hello. term? Exercise physiologist for the last six weeks, and probably ongoing for period of time i would i would imagine mm-hmm. jess welcome thank you thanks for coming and chatting with us today can you give us before we dive into it so obviously you've been looking after Leroy over the last six weeks um in terms of exercise and training mm-hmm. which has been amazing for him i'm sure great for you also amazing for <laughs> <Yeah, good, good. laughs> but uh before we dive into that can you tell us a little bit about you and your background and, and what you do yes so um, i'm an exercise physiologist at body smart and paddington 
Um, but then I also do research. So I'm studying my master's in philosophy at Griffith at the moment. And I work with a group called Improving Health Outcomes for People. Um, and our main aim is looking at cancers and improving outcomes for certain cancers. What's your pathway to doing something like this for, for the yeah. work that you do? I don't know if I'd call it a pathway, probably more of an explosion. It's all <laughs> over the place. Um, finished school, had no idea what I wanted to do. Chose a double degree in um, exercise science and business because I thought two looked better than one. Okay, um, good. Even I like, though like I it. had no idea about business and I think I failed my first accounting unit. That was um, a fine. good time. <laughs> um, so then I dropped out and then I went, oh, I hate uni. I'm never going back. Um, and I worked full time in a retail store and realized, oh, uni's probably a bit better. <laughs> um, so I went back to uni and I just started in exercise physiology after I'd been um, working with an exercise physiologist. And then uh, a few years into that, connected with some teachers and got into research. Um, and now I'm doing my master's and looking to do a PhD. So what drew you to doing exercise physiology? What's your yeah. why? What's your why? Why, why do you do it? Yeah. So I was always very lost in what I wanted to do. I had no idea what exercise physiology was till about two and a half years ago. Um, that's midway through my degree. Um, yeah. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> First half of it, you're just rocking up at a place yeah. and learning about something. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, cool, this works. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I actually had eating disorders after I retired from gymnastics in school. So oh, from wow. uh, year 11 until probably the second year of uni, I was dealing with that. Um, went the typical path, went to a lot of different psychologists, doctors, dietitians. Uh, nothing really helped when it came to to changing and just overcoming that. Um, and that was definitely one of the things that was holding me back from progressing in my life. So I kind of just thought like that was my life at that point in time. I wasn't studying, working was just to earn money so that I could do basically nothing. Yeah. Um, and then my mum took me along to her exercise physiologist one day um, throughout that time. And I started working with them and I kind of got a reason to get over my illness. Um, I started training again. I started having goals. I started learning why I needed to eat. And that kind of uh, turned life around for me, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and then having that experience and that having such an impact in my life and really changing the course of my life made me want to go into exercise physiology itself. Yeah, wow. That's yeah. a That's a pretty big story like I mean to to go through that and but incredible to see that in order to overcome it it was that ability to kind of learn a bit more around the psychology to it almost it sounds yeah. like in terms of you know why is it important to eat how do I you know do you do you look back and, and think about that period of time like in terms of from you said from around grade 11 through yeah. to kind of your second year in uni do you yeah. do you feel like a completely different person after oh, kind of 100%. overcoming that and um even now in comparison to maybe like two years ago I feel quite different as well when I first started in the degree, I feel that I just overworked myself and overloaded myself with opportunities because I felt that I'd wasted time because I'd mm. spent two or three years just trying to get myself right and not going to uni or doing anything, just trying to overcome what was going on at that point. 
And then I was always really harsh on myself after that because I saw everybody else graduating. Everybody's getting full-time jobs. People mm. are moving out. I still live with mum and dad, um, <laughs> which I love. Love you, mum and dad. Yeah. Um, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I look back to when I had my eating disorders and I was grumpy, moody, possibly the worst person you could have met. And my mum can attest to that, unfortunately. <laughs> mm. And then after that... I was a lot better, but I was very, very harsh on myself and no days off, working seven days a week. I used to work from 5 a.m. until like 8 p.m. and I thought that was such a good thing. Mm. Um, and I kind of glorified that because I was getting ahead for myself, but I was just trying to catch up with everybody else. Mm. Um, and now that I've found an area that I really want to be in, again, I'm, I'm completely different. I'm so much more relaxed. You know, I get things done when I need to get them done. I still work a lot, but I'm okay to have days off now and I don't feel like I'm chasing everyone's um, everyone's tail feathers to try and catch up with them. I'm just kind of doing my own journey now. You've, you've then found yourself in, in a much better kind of headspace and in a, in a line of work now that, that seems to light you up. You know, you sit yeah. here and you speak about it with, with a fair um, bit of passion and, 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 um, and authenticity, I guess why cancer? Why in that space? What, what led you to there? Um, so when I was in my third year of university, so exercise physiology is four years, yeah. I was in my third year and I was doing an exercise and cancer unit um, with one of my now master supervisors. I had absolutely no interest in research, had no idea what I wanted to do afterwards, but I entered this unit um, and Unluckily, I was studying an exercise and cancer unit and I lost both of my granddads to cancer during that unit, um, wow. which was strange, also terrible, like not really something that you want to be going through. Um, were you aware of like when it happened, were you yeah. aware of the kind of synchronicities of the, yeah, like it happening yeah. at the same time as you? It kind of all aligned for me. It was, um, we, we lost them on the same date to six months apart, which was so, it was just all very strange. And that kind of just stood out to me. Um, and throughout that unit, I was like, you know, this terrible thing has happened in my family and I'm finding out a way that I could possibly improve people with this diagnosis life maybe I should look into this a little bit more. Mm. So I got in contact with my lecturer again and I asked just to do some shadowing with their research group um, and it turned out that I actually really, really enjoyed it. Um, I got asked to work as a part of their research group in my fourth year and I was working on a control trial which looks at ovarian cancer and you deliver individualised exercise for ovarian cancer patients um, and I just found that I love that. Like, it's so nice to be able to make such a difference during somebody's life when they're going through something like treatment and chemotherapy. Mm. Um, a lot of people don't have other support other than us in the intervention. And one of the main feedback pieces that we get back is how much we've helped just being there. And uh, just knowing that throughout my fourth year, I was like, right, I'm going to try and make a big difference in this area because there's obviously more support needed and there's a lot of work that can be done. So we need some people to do it. Was it both long-term for them, short-term? Like what was their story? Um, there were two very different stories. So one of my granddads was diagnosed with uh, kidney cancer, which spread to his lung. And he had that for 11 years. Yep. Um, and I think his survival rate was supposed to be a lot lower than that, maybe five or less, um, especially because he was a bit older. Mm. But he was incredibly active. He'd be in the garden. He'd be putting the Christmas lights up on <laughs> the on the roof when the doctors told him not to. He's like, well, 
well, I'm going to do this. <laughs> um, and they had the best Christmas lights in Perth. So, of course, he had to do it so he could win the competition. <laughs> um, so he spent 11 years with his diagnosis and it was only towards the very, very end where he got quite sick and we lost him. Mm. Um, but then my, my other granddad in Brisbane, um, he got diagnosed and a few months later he'd passed. But they had very different lifestyles and um, one granddad super active and got through his journey pretty well and the other one not very active quite sedentary you know after diagnosis and I feel like that's maybe one thing that could have played a part in him leaving so quick but mm. also something that I thought would be good to investigate mm. um, to help others if that is something that played a factor. What a powerful story like I just look at that and think you know do, do you look do you look at it now when you kind of lay it out in that way and kind of go that's just there's so much information in it. It's almost yeah. like speaking to you in terms of what you do now. And, and I don't know, I just, I yeah. listen to that and it just blows yeah. me away. Yeah, well, like at first when I, when I stumbled into this and you guys are like, what is your why? Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know, it makes me happy. And then I thought about it more and I thought about all the things that happened and you can kind of piece things together in your life. There's, there's different points where you take one road or another and certain, um, certain things make you do that and I've found that these are the few things that have happened in my life that have turned me towards different roads and yeah. they've all kind of led to this one. Yeah. Uh, this is with my coach hat on, I, I guess. And listening to you say before that you felt like you had, there was a period for you where you were, had wasted time and you then mm. wanted to overwork to compensate for that. Yeah. But in hindsight, it's not wasted time. It was just probably waiting for everything to align to yeah. place mm. you in a position that you're in now. So yep. it's absolutely not wasted time. Mm. Um, I think a it's lot of people look at that and go, oh, I've wasted time. Yeah. Whether you have and everything you go through, you you should be able to draw some learning from that then helps you to take the next step wherever you're going to go. And and it's obviously now put you in a position where you're you're passionate and enthusiastic and, and really genuine mm. about your job. And for me, asking how have I found it so far, mm. um, you know what I'm like when it comes to training. Mm. I'm a bit um, stubborn. Mm-hmm. And I just only like things my way. Yeah, we um, know that from Pilates. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're all aware. I only, <laughs> I only like things uh, my way. And um, how did you go handing over the uh, handing over the control to someone? So I just fantastic. had to assess early on, and just to give everyone a uh, an understanding of of Jess and I guess what she like visually looks like. For someone that's gone through what you've gone through in terms of having an eating disorder and so forth, um, geez, uh, when you first meet and see her, my initial uh, reaction was, I'm not going to mess with this individual because <laughs> she, yes. looks, she looks like she could snap me in half. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and, that's, and just, in, that's just with her mind. And, <laughs> yes. uh, and for me, that was like, okay, so this is the person that believes in what she does clearly on a daily basis does some form of or forms of um, physical activity um, looks really <laughs> looks really strong comes across but nice and calm yeah. um, and isn't uh, worried about adhere, adhering to a plan I guess like has a basic plan mm. and has it there and mm. there's research that obviously goes into it but then for us it was about finding she wanted to find out a bit about, okay, so who are you and how hard you're going to push or what do you want? And then finding that balance. And for me, that was what got me in initially. And I remember speaking with Rachel because Rachel was 
um, doing some different training. As we know, Rachel does a thousand different types of training. My Love. sister, Rachel. Loves to train. Loves to train and does a lot of a lot of different stuff. And um, she said, how did you go with Jess? I said, she's really good. And uh, and she said, oh, why? And I said, oh, because she's tough. Well, she's tough. <laughs> she's smart. She knows all the little details. But yeah. she's, she's tough and she's smart. And then Rachel did a session with us post Pilates. So okay. we've done a Pilates session because so the Pilates, it's, it's hard enough for a former Pilates. Oh, I mean, it just it like was, it was great because Lee is quite strong already. So he'd never done Pilates before and just jumps on the reformer and we're just doing like double leg leg press. He goes, Oh, whack on more strings. Like, <laughs> Rookie error. Okay, you put on more stupid. if you want. <laughs> just ego, ego driven. Yeah, stupidity. mate, we're not back in the footy club rooms, right? Like just right. Uh, yeah, but actually, default. What you go back to? Yep, I, I, yeah, legs are strong. Yeah, like I might not have trained them for a while, but I know that mm-hmm. I can easily go to this number four. But what I didn't understand was that I was working different ends of my muscle, a lot of the muscles in my and legs. tiny, tiny little Just muscles that you've never ones. even seen before yeah. that are sitting in there. And the moment you work them, they make your entire legs burn like they've never burned before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I get, and again, the only time I can ever remember being sick from training throughout my entire football career and training and so forth is when you really work your legs. Like you can work your upper body, you can smash the hell out of it. And it just... It, recovers pretty quickly off it but your legs just with the amount of lactic that you can build up and so forth that's where you get sick yeah. and if you really have a big leg session yeah. guaranteed how has this helped you in this process why, why is this so important so i guess the purpose of today is to, to hear your story hear about what you do and we'll, we'll dive a little bit more into i guess the research and the the other pieces of work that you do which is important but for you lee why does it why does this matter like could you just could you have not done this and come out in the same way uh no no, I th- oh, look, I probably would have the same positive approach, but again, that can just be words, and you need actions rather than just words with whatever it is you're doing. And for me, the physical activity component of it, component of it, has been critical. It makes you, when you leave, you go, "Good, I'm still functioning. I'm functioning well. I can lift that weight. I can perform this activity." Um, I understand the purpose of this. I feel good. I can feel strength coming back into my body. And that's really important. For me, that's really important. Um, There's something powerful, though, in terms of feeling physically strong as well as mentally strong. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know. Even in in a quote unquote healthy state, I know that if I personally don't train in some capacity throughout my weeks, mentally I feel the impact. I feel the strain. I feel my work start to dig. I don't. But the moment you go and get that hit, you can be strong of mind. You can be highly intelligent but if if you're not working the body um and the confidence levels drop off then that you know intellect intelligence whatever it is can sort of fall away a little bit and there's Mm. no backup mechanism there but when you are physically fit you're feeling strong and you can see that you're strong then it's that confidence base for you i guess that allows you to go i've been making some pretty good improvements here like say Mm. Instead of sitting, you know, in the mud, you know, feeling sorry for yourself for a couple of hours, you might only do it for 10 minutes and go, right, yeah, 
get your ass in a gear and get moving. And- awesome. And just what does the research tell us? So can we go a little bit into, it might be really specific, it could just be general research around this, but in terms of the need for, for movement, why do you believe the work that you do matters so much, in, especially when you're in this in this health challenge like having you know dealing with something like cancer yeah so the research at the moment there is actually quite a bit of it to say that exercise is positive throughout cancer treatment whether that be before during or after so we recently within the past three to five years um, had an international round table which looked at exercise's ability to impact on certain side effects that people get throughout treatment and it was looking at a range of different cancers and Physical activity and exercise were one of the main things that helped mitigate things like fatigue, um, which is really important because I find that that's one that people really struggle with. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, we ourselves, if we don't go to the gym for a week and we just sit down, we realise we get more fatigued. Now imagine that basically on steroids having cancer treatment. Mm. So much worse. So the research is definitely there for physical activity and exercise throughout cancer treatment to impact on a range of side effects. Mm -hmm. Um, But then one of the most important things I find is not so much research-based, but probably more personal realisation-based after I've seen multiple clients. You get a lot of things taken away from you when you get a diagnosis. You get told you can't do this, you can't go to work, you know, for Lee, you can't kiss your kids. So Mm. you get told there's a lot of things you can't do. And then there's a stigma attached with cancer as well, which kind of makes some people automatically think that their body's already not capable. But you're still very, very capable, and you just have to realise that. Now, it sounds easy when I say it, and it's definitely not easy, especially if you get a diagnosis. But physical activity and exercise is one way to kind of regain that control, regain that purpose, and give you something that you actually can do. There might be times where there's exercises that you can't do and certain activity that you can't do, but there's always something that you can do. And it's kind of focusing on what you can do in that point in time when there's a lot of things that have been taken away from you. It kind of reset your expectations. That's what it did for me because you notice when you're in and out of hospital each day and you're seeing, you know, your people watching. So you're looking at all these different people that are going through this and, um, and I, I, I watched my stepmom go through three different types of cancers before she passed last year. And she didn't change anything. She certainly didn't back off from everything. She just kept moving forward, which is, I would dare say, why she went for as long as she did with what she had. Um, so it just, for me, it helps reset a little bit of belief in yourself. And, that, um, and you know, you'll, you'll sit down with one doctor and they'll tell you, you need to rest. You need to relax. But in me, within me, I've got this thing that's saying, no, 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 no. Don't tell me that I've got to stop and I've got to relax because I don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. So why why would I? If I'm listening to my body and I'm, and I'm connected to it, then I'll know when I need a rest mm-hmm. and I'll take that and I'll reboot. And at some point, everybody, whether you've got cancer or not, you're going to have a tired day. Kids make you tired. Work makes you tired. Um, a big weekend of... Partying will make you tired, and you might need a rest, you know, on the on the what? Monday. Or why are you looking at me when you say that? <laughs> just, just just there. Um, so it just resets those expectations. I think for me that empowers you a little to go. Well, uh, actually, I am capable of still undertaking these mm. things. The sad part is that I'm lucky that I've got 
quite connected and there are a lot of people that support me and I have access to this. But there are a lot that don't. There are a lot of people that you see come through for treatment that are on the bones of their bum and mm. have nothing and have mm. travelled two hours for treatment um, and, you know, so four hours of their day is taken up with just travel. And then they're surrounded by people that are all in the same space and, you know, and there's a tends to be a lot of negativity in the waiting area. Like you sit there, I'll always go and find a space of my own. If I won't go and sit with people if they're all sitting there with sad faces, I'll go and find a space of my own. And um, so you, I'd really like to see over the coming years that this type of stuff is uh, made aware to people and is accessible. And because if it gets you an extra 12 months, 24 months, three years, whatever it is, who knows? The mm. your state of mind for me is the key to getting through all of this. If you can be in that strong state of mind, it will push you far further forward mm. than you will if you become sedentary and stop. Mm. So, so how can um, and yeah, I completely agree with that. But how how can so to your point around accessing it and making this more accessible? How do people access something like your service right now? Like, can everyone yeah. get access to this? Because I know initially you were talking about getting a certain number of services or something. Yeah, so everybody does have access to something like an exercise physiologist, but then the, the issue with that is um, equity. So people may not be able to afford private exercise physiology throughout their treatment, and that's very fair. I mean, treatment is expensive, mm. and putting other things on top of that is really difficult as well. Um, so There's nothing government-funded? There is. Oh, yeah. hey. <laughs> so... Um, when it comes to government-funded things, there isn't a lot at the moment, and that's definitely something that my team is trying to work on. Mm. Um, but what there is is this thing called an enhanced primary care plan, and it used to be called a TCA, and I think that's a team care agreement or arrangement, one of those. Um, so what you do is you go to your GP. Um, if you have something like a chronic health condition, so that includes cardiovascular disease, diabetes, cancer falls under that bracket. So you and the doctor discuss your eligibility for it um, and if you are eligible for it then it's something that can be arranged and what it is is it's five sessions with any allied health pro professional over a calendar year so within 12 months you get five sessions but that's all you get refunded by the government um, it's up to yourself and the doctor to also discuss how those are divvied up between practitioners so being an exercise physiologist, I often don't find that the whole five are sent to us unless somebody is really keen for it, which is amazing because I do love getting all five of them. <laughs> um, you can also have them divvied up between physios and dietitians, and I think occupational therapy is on there as well. But basically, whatever you need to get through your journey right now. What makes them eligible? That's a good question. And that's up to the GP. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. So it's not like a standard, like, no. this is your eligibility. So it's not a, it's not a t standard, like, tick and flick. Um, you have to have a chronic health condition for six months, and that's one thing that makes you eligible. But then it is at the discretion of the general practitioner, and they will have reasons why you are and reasons why you aren't. So mm. unfortunately, sometimes you may think that, yep, this is for me, I can do this. But there is sometimes when you may not be able to get it just because it is a, a government-run initiative. There's free resources as well from things like our overriding bodies. Um, so when it comes to exercise, if you don't have the means to pay for anything right now, but if you are looking at getting active, 
the most important thing to know is basically, well, what are the goals that I'm trying to hit to maintain my function, but also to achieve a health benefit. Mm. So the current current recommendations state that you should achieve 150 minutes of aerobic activity per week. Sounds like a lot. It's only 20 minutes of walking a day. So 20 minutes of walking a day is enough to improve your health. Um, on top of that, two resistance training sessions a week is also recommended. So that doesn't mean that you need to go to a gym. Resistance training session can occur inside your house. So you can do things like bodyweight squats, calf raises, walking lunges, wall push-ups, floor push-ups if you're super strong. Um, so there's all these different things that you can do without um, needing to spend any money as well. But the most important thing to know whilst you're going through a cancer journey is what are your restrictions? Okay. So the, the easiest thing to do is to walk. Um, but then there's a lot of other things that can be done as well. So if there is people who are looking to get active, but they're not sure how to and they don't have the means to access services at the moment, there is a few websites that you can go to which give you general guidelines. Um, so these are from Exercise and Sports Science Australia. So that's our overriding body in Australia. And then there's Exercise is Medicine, and it's an American-based place as well. And then I guess as well, when it comes to private exercise physiology, a lot of people think that it's a weekly thing, but it's really based on how you want it. So if you can only afford a half an hour session every month or every two months or every three months, that's fine. We can work with that. So we can do you up a plan and check in every few months and see how you're going. So it doesn't need to be something like a weekly commitment if you only need X amount of sessions or to touch base every so often that can be done as well and it can be worked around people's means and schedules yeah so, okay perfect yeah. and so for those um fact sheets that you're talking about there we'll pop the those into the show notes so yep. you'll be able to so people can click on them and, and follow the links from you as an individual what's your advice to anyone who's currently maybe going through treatment or about to go through treatment what what do you kind of recommend or what is your advice when it comes to yeah. exercise that's a good one um, I guess my general advice is don't get stuck with the fact that people tell you you have to rest. That's such a traditional belief. And if somebody tells you you have to do something like rest and you don't really agree with that, then I would say kind of follow your own lead. The most important thing is staying as active as you can. So the typical move more, sit less that we've all heard about and are kind of like, oh, yeah, whatever. That's so important and it's so important at that time as well. If you want to give yourself the best chance to overcome things like side effects and to manage things like fatigue and nausea and pain, activity is one of a very, well, a very, very good way to do so. And I just see this from my clients in general at the moment. So the best thing that you could do for yourself is keep walking, keep moving. You know, if your exercise or your activity is cleaning your house, clean your house as much as you want. Just try to sit as little as possible or be inactive as little as possible because the more that you can do now, the better you're going to be afterwards. Leroy, any advice from from you, from someone who's been through it? Oh, just get kids. Then you're always active. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. No, no, absolutely agree. I think you'd, <clears throat> number one is a lot, listen to yourself. L- listen to your body. Mm. Sounds funny, listen to your body, but if you really... Uh, if you really pay attention to it, so if you're tra- training, don't wear earpods, don't don't listen to music because you can't. For me, anyway, this is just my personal opinion. 
when your head's filled with that music and that's going on in the background, you're not actually paying attention to your body, you're not listening to your body, you're not feeling everything, you're not listening to your heartbeat and its rhythm and how you're feeling and whether or not I can take it up a bit or whether or not I need to knock it back a little bit because your focus is elsewhere and that's, I've always been like that. Listen to your body and for me that's the only way you can do it and understand what you're capable of and work up to it. Don't go straight to the to the ceiling because you'll end up like I did with Pilates and have a sore um, bottom cheek for two to three weeks afterwards because you've overextended yourself. And then yourself we all because, have to hear about it. Uh, yeah. Um, so know where your limits are, work yeah. up to them, um, make sure that you're pumping heaps of water into your body. That's the one thing I've concentrated a lot on because there's a million different things that you hear about, you know, whilst you're doing this stuff. Try this, do this, eat this, have that water. Just get the fluid into you and it'll... Um, help repair your body, obviously, and help flush your body and so forth, and connect with others where you can. So even if it's just the person next door, you know, you might have a 90-year-old that lives on their own and you're like, well, they like to go for a short walk. Go and do that with them. Make that part of one of you because you've got some connectivity there whilst you've got activity as well, which is, for me, is really important. And if I was doing the training on my own, I wouldn't have the connectivity that I've got so connecting with someone while you're training for me is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, finding that connectivity doesn't mean it's always going to be a PT or an exercise physiologist or so forth. If you know enough and you know what your base limits are and what you can do, who's the person you connect with the best that you can go and do that with? Um, and just stay active in that space, I guess, is cool. um, what I would suggest, yeah. Awesome. Um, I think that brings up an important point about listening to your body you're probably the one who noticed that something was not quite right in your body when you went to a doctor to get yourself looked at and eventually got your diagnosis. So you're the best one to know your limits at the moment and if things feel right for you. So that's definitely one thing is when you're training, listen to yourself and if it doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. If it feels good and you feel like you can do it, then by all means go and do it and that's something that's very important to remember because... Once you get a diagnosis, often you just kind of you, you lose that with yourself. You're like, oh, I don't know what I can do. Like, what can I do? And you kind of second guess everything you do. But just because you have a diagnosis like that doesn't mean that you need to second guess your abilities because they're still there, but your confidence might not be. Mm-hmm.